0: I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Lisa Levy, and we're going to talk about challenging the status quo, which I'm very excited about because... status quo is not my friend. And Lisa is the author of future proofing cubed and founded L cubed consulting. And I know she's got a lot to share. So let's just do it. Tell us like what, what are your thoughts about status quo? And I'm sure you got your own story about it, but let's start there. The status quo is the death of
1: all creativity and innovation. I mean, let's just put it out there bluntly. It sucks
0: let's just relate status quo and death. That's how bad it is.
1: <laughs> well, it is right. Because any leader that is willing to accept the status quo as the ultimate reality is never going to evolve into anything more than what you have right in this moment. Now, I guess there's that percentage of people out there who right in this moment have everything they've ever wanted and If you're one of them, please somehow reach out because I've never met those people. But I hear they might exist, but everybody else wants to do something better tomorrow than they're doing today.
0: But I I don't know if it exists because here's why. Because the people who have everything they've ever wanted, I mean, I guess you can have really low standards, but typically the people who have everything they've ever wanted are the ones who always want more. Like, I always think it's really weird to say like, don't have a moving target. Like as if you're going to have one target and you aim and you f- eventually shoot and you hit the target and now you're done. You're like, okay, I guess I like completely, um, mastered life and business and relationships and myself and my emotions and everything yeah. about that. So I'm pretty, pretty much done. I might as well just go into my coffin now <laughs> and die. Uh, that's why you said it's death. Cause it's like that. So I, I think I think you're probably right. There's not a lot that exists. What, why do you say that? Like, what happened? And like, tell me a little about your story of of where you've been and and why you're so passionate about even talking about that. Because not everybody talks about that. There, it might just be an underlying thing when it comes to entrepreneurship. Like, obviously, we're not going for the status quo, but not everybody's saying that. So, why do you say it? And how did you get to? Talk about talking about that.
1: So the the story starts right in a career in corporate America. And I was building the career and I was doing all the things that I thought were important. Right. I had tenure. I had 401k. I had paid time off. I had this sense of security that I thought this job was going to provide me until I looked around and one hated getting up and going to work every day. And two, there was nothing really cool or innovative happening. I was watching a bunch of C-level executives create fiefdoms to protect kind of their best interests. And it had nothing to do with the business and it had nothing to do with growing the business, which was an emerging startup rocket ship that was gonna do great things, but everybody was focused on their little piece of the puzzle and controlling it. And I went, this is absolutely stupid. And I walked away from that and I created L cubed consulting on a whim and a prayer and an act of just utter defiance and frustration because those executives each had a consulting team from different organizations supporting their way, the way they wanted to do it, the way they've always done it. And nothing was happening across functions. Teams were, antagonistic. They weren't collaborative. And so nothing good was happening. So I said, the traditional consulting model is absolutely broken and I want to blow it up. And I never, ever, ever want to build a team that sole purpose is landing and expanding. I want to build teams that help my clients be self-reliant and not need my assistance anymore.
0: Mm. And what kind of consulting were you doing to corporate or corporation? So this or- is...
1: to to corporations was where I started because that's what I knew.
0: Yeah. And for the
1: first seven or eight years of growing L cubed, I was still in those large corporations. And I found that work to be soul draining, Hmm. right? I was doing something for a leader who had a, a, their quarterly goal was to improve a process. And once they checked that mark off, whether they continued to use the new process or not, no longer mattered because they checked Mm. that box off (laughs) and they were going to get their bonus.
0: I really don't know that world. So like I... I've never had a real job. I guess I had, um, I worked for a nonprofit. I guess you can call that a real job, but it didn't really feel like a real job because it was a nonprofit organization, Jewish organization back um, right after, I guess it was after college, after I traveled for a year and then I came back and I had, I made $14,000. It was a six month position, but $14,000 and I was promoting Um, trips to Israel. And so it's kind of more, it wasn't like a normal job. Like it definitely wasn't corporate. It wasn't even nonprofit corporate. I mean, there were like three people in our office and I would like go to synagogues and like talk about Israel. It was kind of cool. Um, But that was my only job, job, I guess. And then I, you know, other than that, I worked at camp as a true Jewish girl would. But um, so I, I always hear about Corporate, right? And and I can't yeah. really relate to what corporate's like, but I can relate to what being in the financial industry is like. Because then once I became a financial advisor, you know the status quo, I think, is just you know kind of like it's kind of I'm I'm kind of interested how you would define it, but to me it's just like well we got to do what it was a little different because we're entrepreneurs, but it's like it's yeah. still like you only do so much, and it, and it's like. They, they definitely wanted us to dream. And like, I remember my first year, I was like, I want to make $60,000, you know, and coming from, I was a singer songwriter before. <laughs> so coming from non- non-profit singer songwriter world, like $60,000 was like someone who, you know, a, an executive saying they want to make a million dollars a year. It was like, it was like massive for me. Um, but there was a big dream for you in the space that you were in. Yeah, it was, it was, so 60, big, 000, right? I mean, it was a big it. win. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but then they were like challenging me like to do a hundred thousand, you know, the first year and which, so I guess I tell me what it means to you like status quo, because, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious in what, what your thoughts are about like how, I don't know how much you know about the industry, the financial industry, but how you think that relates to, you know, these women who are financial service representatives, financial advisors, wealth advisors, that sort of thing.
1: Well, let's, let's roll it back a little bit. And one, I did my time as a Jewish girl camp counselor back in the day. I mean, I should have known that Levy. Yeah. We've, we've all been there and, and, and that actually fed into why I chose not to have children, but that's a different topic show <laughs> me um, to the edge. <laughs> let, let's talk about you know, our role of women in finances. In the 1970s, women couldn't have a credit card unless their husband was on the account or their father was on the account. They couldn't have a mortgage. That's within my lifetime. I yeah. was really little. I have zero recollection of that time frame, but that's within my own timeline
0: that we couldn't have credit.
1: I mean, can you imagine doing anything in your life without having access to your own credit?
0: Heck, no! Not owning a business—you need that, baby. <laughs> absolutely,
1: right? How how do you how and do we start? To ask our my business? husband
0: to to take care of that. My husband went through a two point two million dollar bankruptcy, so though that wouldn't have happened either. Right? So, I mean, it's absolutely mind boggling. So, challenging the status quo
1: as a woman and in that financial perspective is—you know—what are the things that hinder us as entrepreneurs? Female entrepreneurs are getting smaller shares of venture capital when statistics show that as actual leaders, we are more fiscally responsible. We drive higher revenue rates and we have businesses that are more profitable.
0: So I know this sounds like maybe a dumb question, but like define status quo for me. Like, what does that mean to you?
1: The status quo is accepting and doing the way we've always done it. Right. And accepting that that is the way. So, in challenging the status quo, society
0: is basically determining is the right way. So, you're saying like back then, the status quo was there's in the 70s women do not get credit, do not have credit, do not get credit cards and whatnot. Women
1: were second class citizens, right? We didn't have all the same rights and privileges that a a male would have. And so, accepting that as, as the okay norm. We could still be in that position if there weren't women out there who fought for the rights of us to, you know, exist in the world as whole unto ourselves. So today, you know, the status quo is accepting that a white male is the ideal leader, right? That CEOs should look like that. Yes, There's Mm -hmm. lots of different faces that fill an effective leader role. And right now, and I'm being sort of nonlinear, sorry, we have corporate CEOs of large global brands saying all employees need to go back to the office where we've learned through the last three years of how we've done business, that people are often more effective. They're more efficient. Productivity is better quality of life. We found ways to be balanced in new and different ways. And that desire to go back to the way we've always done it is about control. Hmm. And it's not about the betterment of how businesses operate. It's not the betterment of how employees perform, but it's about a perception of control over how things are done. And so those are the questions and the, the questions I want to ask those whys. So challenging the status quo is done in one simple step. It's asking why. Why do we do it? And if the answer to that why doesn't add value to the person asking it, the customer who's receiving a product or service, the business or the people doing the work, that why isn't valid and we need to do something different.
0: Love it. I love it. It's like, I just need to be a two-year-old again. That's easy. I'm like my little two-year-old, almost three, and just ask why and drive everybody nuts. Because at a minimum, you will drive people crazy if you just keep saying why. So that alone is a strategy in itself. Now, um, I I actually talk a lot about this when it comes to compliance. So financial advisors, everybody knows there's heavy compliance. And depending on the company, there's a lot more compliance than others. And I I just had this... um, Uh, this challenge called the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. And I teach a different system. It's an online marketing system. It's a way where I actually talk to them about, you know, Hey, why don't you consider writing a book and go interview people for your book? Like You're an author, you know, how credible it is to have a book. And then they're afraid of that. But I'm like, I, I, I build the belief they don't have to be afraid. And it's a great end to have conversations with people. It's almost like podcasting. Like we get to have this intimate conversation. We've never met them. Like, I'm not going to take even one minute to get to know you. I want to get to know you on the podcast because the good stuff happens live. Um, and so um, and so I asked them to do this, or I, I suggest that they do this. And even though there's a lot of fear, sometimes I, I like sometimes people are very willing, and then sometimes, mm-hmm. fear or not, if they have a company or if they're they're at a company that has very let's say um, like strict, strict compliance, let's say, they're like, well, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, push the envelope, like push the envelope. Like the reason you have strict compliance is because of fear, right? They don't want to have to, they basically don't want lawsuits and things like that. Why is like, why is an independent financial company less strict than another company that is not independent? Like the rules are the same. They're regulated by the same. And that's a good why, right? And I said, there's nothing I teach, nothing zip zilch That's not compliant. Just because your company says, oh no, we're not going to approve that as compliance. Like I'm like, well, that's where we push the envelope. And I always use this example. I said, guess what? It, you know, we didn't always have women didn't always have the right to vote. Guess what? African-Americans were slaves. Like we didn't always have these same rights. You know, my brother's gay. Like he didn't always have the right to get married and he got married. Right. Whatever your beliefs are, it's like, how did those things happen? Any rights that we have, have it's because we challenged the status quo. And so you can say, well, it's too hard to go through compliance. They're going to give me crap. They're going to slap my hand. They're going to tell me, no, like, Okay. Well, you have two choices. You could either say, I'll just keep within the confines of what they allow me to do. Or you can push the envelope and see if you can get this approved through compliance and do it or do it. And then see if your hands get get slapped, ask for forgiveness, or you can leave. You have legs, walk and go wherever you want to go. You can start an independent company. You can do whatever, like we have choices. That's my we little rant. absolutely do.
1: And it's a great rant because compliance is important. Right. It exists for a reason and there are risks that we should mitigate and there are safeguards that we should be aware of because they protect everybody in the situation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I, I believe in those things. But I also believe in pushing, 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 pushing to get as close to that line without crossing it and putting anybody in jeopardy financially or otherwise. But we have to push. Otherwise, we backslide into, I mean, just the world of vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Right? If there's no variation in everything. And we follow every rule exactly as it's written. We kill innovation. And we are no longer vibrant, creative, thriving human beings. We're robots. And so those things that truly are highly repetitive, right? We've got, you know, AI coming into play. We have things that we can literally automate Let's automate those so that we can use people to do the things that are interesting, that are going to change the world, that are going to change how we think, that are going to drive better financial results, um, that we can be curious, clever, and tap dance on the line of what you know we shouldn't cross. But it's okay to tap dance on that line. It's part of how I interviewed a CPA when I was you know, trying to figure out, I said, I want to be legal. I want to be, I don't want to get into trouble, but I want to be on the line and I'm okay having the question about being on the line.
0: Right. And even taxes is a good example too. It's like, well, what can you not get away with, but what can you do that's still legally bound? I mean, some of the best, the people, what's his name? Sandy Bodkins, I think, like teaches people how to pay less in taxes because he used to work for for um the government and and do tax tax stuff, whatever they call it, EA or whatever. And um, and he knows all the rules. And he's like, here's how you do it legally, and absolutely you should. And you should do that. It's our right and our privilege to be able to do that. Right. And then like the, so the smartest people and, and the ones with the most money end up figuring it out. Right. But why not you? Right. But, um, I think going back to like these rules, like I know for me, um, when I was a financial advisor, I, I kind of, I didn't know I was being, you know, kind of so contrarian, but I was Challenging the status quo a lot. Yeah. I mean, maybe just because I get—I don't think of myself as like really opinionated because I still have so much fear around like judgment and all those things. But what I realized in, in in my circumstance that I was helping parents of young kids, and what I I got good at under like sales, and so I got good at really understanding the real problems and what they wanted, and I and the vehicles that were available, like a five twenty nine plan or like life insurance things like that didn't necessarily solve the problems that they really had, the deep problems, like the fact that they weren't getting along with their spouse, the fact that they felt guilty, like they were being a bad role model for their kids, the fact that they wouldn't open the mail because it, they were so anxious to see their statements, right? And so I created a money coaching program, which was very outside the box back then. This was back in 2008, I think. Um, great time <laughs> to do something new. Um, but Perfect time. I, <laughs> Yeah, it was because it was like, well, we can't just rely on the market. We have to actually shift our beliefs and our behaviors. Um, And so that was very different. Like even I was an independent company, but even still, it was like, okay, like lots of compliance around like what I was actually teaching and making sure that I was allowed to do that, those things. And then what happened was, is I... um, I created a whole money coaching program, which they said like they allowed me to do and it was fine. It was a pain in the butt because i had to keep submitting things, but I was allowed to do that. And I was completely challenging the status quo and then the problem was that they would still take a cut. So I was at a point where I was charging like $5,000 for my programs. It wasn't really just a plan. It was like a program and they would take, I think at the time I was only getting 65%. So they would take 35%. And so I got to a point, like, it's kind of like when I was, uh, when I was at camp, you know, when I was a camp counselor, I'd make like $250 for the summer. I'm like, this sucks. Like, this is not like, I'm more valuable for than this. And they're like, well, if you want to make more money, come back as a lifeguard and can teach swimming lessons. And so I did the next year and made, you know, three times that $750 for the whole summer. And that felt better because I'm like, no, I don't want to just, and then I started my own business, like doing swimming uh, lessons and whatnot, because I'm always like, always challenging that because I want to get paid for my value. I want to get paid yeah. for my value. So I ended up actually um, just, like I said, I had legs. So I decided to walk and I went to a different company because they would, they were like, they would carve my, what I created my whole program. They would carve it out of the the payout or the pay cut, the haircut that they took. And so if I sold a $5,000 program, I got $5,000. And if I sold a financial plan under their umbrella, then I had to give up part of the, you know, part of the cut. But yep. it's like, now there's not to say that I, I was the reason but there's a lot of people who call themselves money coaches and you know they're doing these type of things that now it's like if I teach someone how to do that it's easy to like have your outside business activity and get things approved not at every company but some but like this is why we have to do this stuff it's like what do you believe why is it important to you how about you have a voice and use yeah. it and not to say that to be disrespectful but I want women to stand up for what they believe and claim you know what's important to them And to
1: be remunerated based on their value. And what we have to offer is valuable. Um, There's an avenue of my my work, I speak, and I won't get on a stage and you're prepping for a keynote, right? I, I don't step on a stage unless I'm compensated for my time and the information that I'm sharing and the value that I add. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who question it challenge that thinking and say, well, you'd be on more stages if you would just get on the stage. My time, my knowledge, my expertise has value. Mm-hmm. And I won't compromise on that one. Um, I get very frustrated every March when International Women's Day rolls around. It it just pisses me off that we bring so much spotlight to women on like one day or one mm-hmm. month out of the year. Mm-hmm. It, it's irrelevant, right? Our contributions, our values happen three hundred and sixty five days a year. and I that drives me absolutely crazy. but I absolutely refuse and have never spoken on that day on that topic because I think that it is demeaning to us actually. Hmm. And I would rather not take that stage and, and take that time because we're we're spotlighting the that the inequity is there and and I think that that gives power to the inequity. And it's counterproductive to our actual voice in, you know, being, you know, being meaningful and making a contribution.
0: I think that's an interesting view. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm, not to make you wrong, which I think there's a, a lot of different views, but it's like Mother's Day. It's like, am I mad that there's Mother's Day because now I get like honored on that day because it's one day I'm a mother every freaking day. Like You're you're not right. You're like, I'm not doing that, but it's like, I want to be, uh, but to some degree, I mean, I understand your point. I also think that like, sometimes we have to put a light on that. Like, yeah, there's an equity, like, and we want to change it. Like we're, we're, we're willing to push it. But I I mean, I I know what you're saying. It's like, I don't, I don't want to, it should be like that every day. And regardless what I love about that. And the reason I even said it, because I didn't have to, Say my opinion right there, is that you have an opinion and you have an opinion for a reason. And going back to your why, it's like you could have a different opinion than I have, and you can say, "Well, my why is because we should be honored and we should be, um, you know, uh, valued every day of the freaking year, and not just one one day or one month." And I might think like, "Okay, well, yeah, but at least there we're shining a light and say we're not." And so, like, we're going to take a whole month or a whole day, a whole both, right, and say like, this is really important that we keep moving forward and make progress on this. Um, but I, I, I think and the beautiful great, thing, we don't have to agree, we right, don't. and in our perspectives, you. You yeah, but our perspectives still complement right? We don't have to actually agree. It's aligned. It's aligned. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Interesting too, about, about keynotes. But I think like the main thing is like, is you have an opinion, you stand for what you believe. And I think that's a really important takeaway for everyone. It's like, you're not worried about what everybody on the podcast is going to think about that. I'm not worried about what everybody on the podcast is going to think about my opinion. And And there are going to be people who disagree with you and disagree with me. And they can be, they can disagree nicely. Like we're disagreeing or they can be haters and post bad things. It's like, well, okay, great. Bring on the haters because that's, I said this last, I think the last podcast, I was like, bring on the haters because that tells me that I'm moving in the right direction. Like, was there any opposition to people get having rights? Like, yes, every single time something has, has challenged the status quo, there has been opposition. Oh, no, there's opposition. I guess I should back off. No, that's when you have to push through. That's one of the hardest things. Like, that's when that's what's called change, you know, and if we want to change the world. We have to be yeah. willing to to push. We have to be willing to push. And
1: in what you've just done is acknowledge that the resistance is there and the resistance is OK. If if we didn't have it, we wouldn't have authentic discourse, which is, I think, what we're actually doing here today, which is fabulous. And it gives us the opportunity to think outside of our own knowledge, right? And to see from a different perspective, you and I disagreed on the topic of International Women's Day. Who cares? I support you and your belief to do with that, whatever you want to do. And I'm getting from you that, you know, the the opposite is true. So we can have differing beliefs. They can coexist in the same space and it doesn't diminish either one of us. And it doesn't mean that we are opposed to the person. We have
0: different ideas. Fabulous. Absolutely. So, I mean, to me, like especially those of you listening and thinking about your company or your business, it's like, almost like, what would it be like if every day you started to challenge something? You know, what would it be like if you were like, what don't I agree with? And instead of just saying, well, because he says it's not compliant, like, They did not think what I was doing as a money coach was compliant, you know? And I'm like, well, here's what I'm doing. I will show you everything I'm doing. There's nothing that's not compliant about it, you know? And then they're like, okay, I see. Now I know now that we have transparency, we know what you're doing. Like we will say, you know, give you the the stamp of approval. And that may not have been the case because some of the company, I know there's a company that won't let you post videos. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Have you, you think people are going to (laughs) hire, hire advisors because just of your brand? No, like they want to know who this person is. Like you should have videos. Like, that's crazy. We're in 2023. Um, but we got to challenge it. And like you, those of you listening, like you have beliefs. And if you don't think you have beliefs about, you know, and opinions on these, it's just because you're curbing them because you're afraid of what people are going to think. And you're going to, you know, get shunned or shamed or shushed. And I say, we need women to have a voice and to stand up for what they believe. And that's, you and I can uh, like are completely united on that front of like, yeah like women need to step up. And so we can start pushing the envelope and having more of what we deserve.
1: And, and it's not just being the loudest voice and it's not shouting from the rooftop to be the one shouting from the rooftop, right? It has to be tied to your belief and something that is actually meaningful to you. Um, being disruptive, my right and challenging the status quo is not about being the kid in third grade who sits in the back row and is like flicking rubber bands at the other kids. That kind of disruption adds no value, right? But being disruptive with that purpose to challenge the status quo, make a positive impact, we should all do it every day.
0: Love it. So good. So good. I feel like that's a great ending. So tell them where to find you. This is great. And I, if you're looking for a speaker, you know, Lisa would be a good, good option as well. And tell them what else kind of, what else you might be able to help them with and where to find you. Absolutely. The easiest way to find me
1: is Lisa L. Levy, L-E-V-Y.com and Lisa L. Levy on LinkedIn. Those are the fastest, easiest places. The website will take you into the world and all things L Cubed Consulting. And in that space, you'll see about our consulting and the work that we do with leaders, aligning people process and enabling with technology. And I am spinning up this year and doing more work in a kind of a coaching space, helping leaders individually or leadership teams get everything aligned so that they're running effective and efficient businesses.
0: Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for being here. I love this idea of challenging the status quo and... uh If you're not doing that, start challenging the status quo every single day. We'll see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business The Woman's Way. Thanks, guys.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.